Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, so we hope you come along with us for that journey. This week, we're going to continue the discussion about unannounced changes because there are more, and (laughs) they range far and wide. Honestly, they're about everything from weight changes to thermal changes and all kinds of stuff that we're going to jump into. But before we do that, I want to jump into hideout keeping. And it was actually really cool. Right before we started recording this week, I had someone DM me with their very first factory clear after hearing us talk about it last week on the show. And it's kind of crazy to me that things like that stick with people that stick with us after being just a great moment, right? And they stick out. They're super memorable. They're an achievement. They're just a really cool experience in this game. And I think they are varied. They're wide-ranging. And I don't want to limit it to just Factory. I'd actually really like to hear your comments. I'd actually really like to hear about your achievements in the comments to this video or in Discord. What have some of your biggest moments been in Tarkov? But that's really all I wanted to do in my section for hideout keeping this week. It's been really neat hearing everybody's factory stories or their heartbreaks. And I just am excited to hear about those shining moments, whatever you want to call them but with a broader scope than just factory. So, uh, Ronald, what's on your uh, hideout keeping list this week? Hey, what's up, everybody? Looking forward to uh, talking about more changes. My hideout keeping this week, I'm just kind of befuddled by all the things they're changing, good, bad, and just everywhere in between. You know, before we get into that, though, the best way to get a hold of me, if you want to talk to me, is in Discord. Send me a DM or tag me in a message in any one of the channels. And we check Discord all the time. Love to talk with everybody. Go ahead and do that. If you have any questions about your PC, jump into specifically the hardware section in Discord. We've got lots of folks in there answering questions. And I hang out in there and answer questions as well. We'd love to help you figure out those problems with your PC that you're having and getting Tarkov running good so you can get in game and get some tasks done. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Ronald Gaming, as always. In a couple days a week, I hang out in MTB Trigger's uh, Twitch stream. That would be twitch.tv slash MTB Trigger. Hang out, talk about games, whatever, and while we watch Trigger play some games. And then, of course, the business contact for XPhil and all of the other XP Media IPs is xpmedia2020 at gmail.com if you have something more formal that you'd like to get to us. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Dot com. Use code XFIL for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped, if you have not heard of them before, you haven't heard of them on this show, they're the best in men's grooming hardware and product. Manscaped.com, code EXFIL, 20% off and free shipping on your order. Make sure to use code XFIL at checkout. 
Other ways you can support the show, the best thing, as always, share the community or share the show with a friend or share it on Reddit or Twitter or wherever you see somebody that uh, is asking about a way to get better at Tarkov, to find a community, to find people to play with. Uh, It's the best way to get people connected with us and with the community. We also have direct support options. One of them is via Patreon. There is as low as $1 a month options there. And then the other ask we have is if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you can link that to a Twitch account and subscribe to my Twitch channel, which is a free way for you to support me and us, XP Media, on Twitch as well. So thank you for those of you that do that. This is your reminder for those of you that have your Twitch Prime. Actually, Prime Gaming now. I always forget they changed the name. It's going to be hard for me to remember. It's Prime Gaming now. But if you have that available, really appreciate you using it on the channel. And lastly, our social media and YouTube. You can find us at Xfil. You can find me at MTB Trigger. And you can find our guides, tips, and tricks, as well as the video version of the podcast on youtube.com forward slash XP Media now. As Ronald said, you can find me on Twitch, Discord, and Twitter at MTB Trigger. But that's all. So lots more changes this week, guys. We're going to jump straight into it because we have everything from crafts to weight changes to painkillers to spawn rates. And all of that has been added since we spoke last. So we're going to get right into it. So let's kick this thing off. Um, We're going to start small and we're going to move into crazy stuff right away. So this will be fun. The very first thing on the list is some weight changes. The IFAC was 0.8 kilograms, is now 0.5 kilograms, and the AI2 cheese, our favorite 100 hit point heal, was 0.5 kilograms and is now 0.2 kilograms. It's an interesting change. I like the IFAC change. I wonder how heavy a grizzly is. I was thinking about that. I was reading this. I'm thinking, I wonder how heavy a grizzly is, but now that the IFAC can heal heavy bleeds, right? So... Right. It's super interesting, right? Because at first I was like, man, that makes IFAC really powerful. It was already really powerful. And then I've read that they added the heavy bleed cure, which I also found out live today when my IFAC went from 300 hit points to 90. And I didn't know why. And it was actually less than that. It went from 300 hit points to like 36 because it healed the thorax shot that I took and (laughs) the heavy bleed that I had. And I was like, where did my IFAC go? And I routinely run with just one IFAC. The weight change I thought was like, man, that's kind of a big buff for IFAC. But I actually think the heavy bleed is a slight nerf. And while it seems like it's really good because it fixes the heavy bleed, it almost consumes the entire IFAC. And especially if you took enough damage to get a heavy bleed, it's like a one-use heavy bleed and one-time heal, which if you're used to just, oh, I'm bleeding or I'm hurt and you hit the IFAC, well, if you have a heavy bleed, you just ruined your entire healing unless you carry multiple IFACs. The place that I noticed this the most was on Factory because oftentimes I would run with one cheese and one IFAC and I would run with like an S-Mark or the Hemostat. I just popped my IFAC because I knew I was bleeding. I had to get out of a situation. And as I was running, I hit my IFAC just to not maybe black out a limb, but it fixed the heavy bleed, but took all my healing away. So I ended up finishing the fight, killing a guy, but then I had to leave because I didn't have any more heals and I still have my hemostat. So this one's important. And I think it's actually a slight nerf because you can't just IFAC without thinking anymore. Yeah, for sure. It's really interesting because this wipe, I've been running around with a grizzly. I used to use IFACs all the time, but I've just been running around with a grizzly. 
and I haven't worried about the specific heavy bleed bandages or the specific, you know, mitigations for any of that. I just have a grizzly and a survive kit in my secure container. And I find that maybe I should look at, you know, not using up all four slots. Maybe I can get away with having two slots or three slots. But at the same time, having that grizzly there and just hitting the grizzly no matter what without even having to think about it is super, super useful now way more useful now that there's heavy bleeds in the game than before. Have you been running rigs that have a four slot like in the tack rig so you can hot key the grizzly or are you just running it within your secure bag? So it's funny. I actually run with like a cheese hot keyed. Okay. And then my grizzly uh, is in my secure container. So, you know, like the, the cheese is just, you need something quick, you know, whatever. But the grizzly, I stop and I heal. And maybe that's bad. Maybe that's a bad strategy. And, and I should have it, you know, in a tack rig that has four spots available. But those are more expensive. Or, well, I mean, you know, it depends, I guess, what you're using. But there are different options there, too, right? So I was just curious, actually, because I was using a grizzly for a while and I was just having it in my bag. I was keeping a ETG and a Propitol in my secure container in case I took a lot of damage, and I'm used to popping stims out of my secure. So I was thinking about it when you said it, not necessarily from a you're doing it wrong, because I don't think that's true. I was thinking about it, well, I'm used to hitting stims in severe situations anyway from my secure container, so I don't think it's any worse to hit a grizzly. It's almost probably good in some ways, because if you're used to going there, you probably have that muscle memory to click on it quick. I suppose the only place where it's not helping you is if you do need that quick hotkey. So I think if you're going to do it, I think the right move is to have something hotkeyed, even if it's just to, you know, move for three feet while you heal after you get shot. So no, I, I, I actually liked it when I was doing it. I just got to the point where I had so many meds from trying to keep crafts going in my hideout because I really want mastery in the hideout skill to see if how much it really does. So I've tried to keep stuff going in my hideout all the time. And one of the things I've crafted a lot of is the meds, the pile of meds. And because of that, I've had tons of IFAX because it's the easiest thing to create from it. So I just moved to IFAX. And now, though, I have to really think about it. I'll probably have to take two into a raid because if I accidentally heal a heavy bleed, the IFAX toast. Yeah. And the thing is, let's say you have three or four heavy bleeds, you know, because I've been in a situation where I've had more than one heavy bleed. So having that 1,800 hit point IFAC, you know, ready to roll and just absorbing anything you throw at it really has been something that has saved me a couple times. Yeah. And again, one or two IFACs in that scenario doesn't help you unless you plan ahead and you hit hemostats or an S mark and, and get it off. So oh, I think that's really good. Interesting. Interesting. Let's let's keep moving, though, because <laughs> I'm now I'm now thinking, like, should I change my secure container structure and try that again i may have to do that i think what it'll become really interesting for me is if i get kappa and i i intend to i'm I'm kind of i'm not grinding for it but i intend to keep moving down tasks and at that point it becomes really interesting with the extra three slots so i'm going to be thinking about that more and more but the next one on the list is golden star there were some changes to golden star it was nerfed there was a increase in the energy used or reduced meaning you now lose 15 energy from 10. So if you pop Golden Star, you lose 15 energy now. And the duration was reduced from 400 seconds to 350 seconds. 
The duration reduction is really interesting to me. I wonder how much Golden Stars are used. Like, do you use Golden Stars on a pretty regular basis? (laughs) I want to. The pain-killing changes that we talked about last week had me really thinking about which ones I used. And I really preferred Vaseline. That was my go-to. And it got changed from 10 to 6 quantity. And now ibuprofen has been buffed from 12 to 15 quantity. Ibuprofen is also really bad on dehydration factor now, I think. So I was looking at Golden Star as one to use, but Golden Star is like 100k rubles right now for each one. Now, I'll say this, I want to get to the point where I'm using Golden Star because it also has the buff when you pop it that you get some energy and some hydration back when you use it. And it's by far the best one. It's also used in some crafts. So like if you have it at a one quantity, you can actually turn it into other things when it's almost gone in your med station in your hideout but it's it's expensive right now and you know we didn't go through where we're at this week because we wanted to jump in these changes but my primary focus is i just installed today uh, a couple hours before we started recording my bitcoin 3 and so i need to go from the 25 graphics cards up to 50 so my goal is to be pumping every ruble i earn into graphics cards to max out my hideout and finish it And so something like Golden Star that costs 100k per slot when I can use other painkilling effects just is not on my radar. So I want to use it. I don't right now. It's interesting because I don't use it either. And I'm kind of thinking maybe I should. But after we talked about the painkillers, I was looking at Augmentin. And I'm pretty sure that Augmentin does not have a hydration reduction at all when you use it. Now, it's more expensive and a little bit more annoying to use, but it is an interesting painkiller option, I guess. And I remember using Golden Stars, not this wipe, but the previous wipe, the one that was in the spring a year ago. And I remember using Golden Stars. That was the thing to do, like have a Golden Star and, you know, lube up every raid and keep going. And I kind of got away from that. And that's why I was just kind of wondering if you still did that or not, because I haven't seen you do that a lot lately, but it's just an interesting, interesting thing. Part of it is I think Battlestate's sort of making a statement here that the remaining painkillered the entire raid should be challenging or expensive. And so the change to regular painkillers was massive. Negative 17 hydration for popping one of those regular base level painkillers. That means you can get in like three fights or pre-pop pills, which was always the thing. If you go look up PvP videos in Tarkov, the number one thing they say is have a painkiller and if you think you're going to fight, pop a pill. Well, you can't do that very many times if you're going to get out with any hydration or deal with the pain effect from being dehydrated. So I think this is a really big sort of change for Battlestate is that to me, it says they don't want players running around painkiller all the time. They want it to be an interesting decision versus a non-decision. And I like that. I like that they're taking a system in the game that was like, well, you should just do this all the time and making it so you have to think about it until you get to the end game painkiller golden star which is probably the one you could pop all the time if you really want to but it's gonna ding your ruble count to run them all the time so i I like this change actually i'll be honest man when the vaseline was changed i didn't have a strong opinion on it last week but you know when i started burning through vaselines i was just like oh my gosh i gotta craft two more and they only have six uses and i just i felt it so i wasn't happy about it but when i look at what it's doing for decisions in the game and making interesting decisions i like that it makes for more meaningful engagements which is which is what i'm after in the game 
Do you think they did this also to maybe force more of the player base to use more of the stims? Because I have a feeling that there are a lot of people that never use stims. And I wonder if this was maybe related to that. Oh, man, I think you could be right. I am really only good at remembering to use Propital. And on occasion, ETG. Personally, I don't use stims enough. I want to get better at them. I'll be honest, I don't know what a lot of those new ones do. The way that I play maps, I'm not usually carrying out a boatload of loot. And if I do, I'm kind of comfortable just chugging along. So I don't know if it's a push towards stims. My playstyle doesn't really require a lot of use. I should probably carry a mule stim. And that's part of the reason why I'm interested in Kappa, because you know, I have gotten situations where I've been so heavy that if I had a mule stim, I could have ran out, but I've died, you know, slow walking out because I was so heavy. I don't know. I'm not sure if this is a push in that direction or not. That's an interesting thought. Do you think that's what they're trying to do? I kind of think so, because I think everyone's kind of used to Propitals being a thing. I know that when we were introduced to the game last year, that was definitely what started with me. It was, hey, you know, get a Propital. If you're going to go fight a bunch of scavs, hit your Propital and then go fight a bunch of scavs. You know, with the goal being that in case you get a broken leg or something, you can still run away and heal. You're not just stuck there. It's about pain management as well. I find myself using Propitals fairly exclusively as well. I feel like I want to know what the other stims do and be better at them. <laughs> But I just don't really... So the first thing is, I don't really run across most of them, so I'd have to buy them. And some of them are are okay. Some of them are fairly expensive. Right now, it's actually cheaper to buy Propitals on the flea than it is to buy them from Therapist or Craft. I think the Craft is probably the cheapest at this point, but if you don't have access to that yet. So I, I don't know. I think... Yeah, I, I kind of think maybe that was part of it because I can see now that there are some stims on the list that would make more sense given this new kind of era of pain management in Tarkov as well as hydration. So I'd encourage everyone to check out the wiki. It's got a great list of stims, what they do, how they affect your hydration and energy. And I think you're right, Trigger, that I think this is about making a more interesting decision while you're in game. So I, I like it. I do too. And speaking of Propital, you're right. Uh, it is cheaper to buy it, and it usually comes down to that craft, which does involve Golden Star, which <laughs> which is why I typically just buy Propitals because they're usually like 11 or 12k compared to Therapist 21. So if you're buying Propital from Therapist, check the flea market because they're often cheaper there because you can turn your one-use painkillers, aka Golden Stars, with a couple other uh, items into seven propital so a great craft to be familiar with as well yep absolutely well let's talk about thermals because we've got some changes to the ergo on thermals and i have really not used thermals this wipe yet have you nope i have not used a single one i don't even know how often i've encountered them i've had a few situations where i died in ways that seemed like it had to be a thermal but hasn't been something I've used a single time, and I don't know that I've ran into it a lot. I've only seen it killing people going into resort, and that's it. I haven't run into thermals really anywhere as far as me finding one in raid anywhere else. I believe that I've been killed by them a couple times on woods, but beyond that, I really don't don't think I've run into it that much either. So I would guess it has something to do with how expensive they are now, and 
kind of how rare they are. And you can't put them in your gamma, can you? So you can't put them in your secure. No, I think they fixed that. So I think uh, I think if you take one in, you got to take it out. Yeah, I think they fixed where you could put it on the rail and put it in your secure container. That we spent an episode talking about. <laughs> yeah, that we spent the whole episode talking about because it was a thing. It was crazy, but yeah, that's been fixed now. So, and you know, we're going to get into some crafts here in this next kind of section of what's coming up and they have added a way to make them in the hideout. So that that's interesting. It is. And I guess the ergo nerf is a little deeper than just, you know, it's adding a little more ADS time when you've got it on your gun. So it's making your gun a little slower as you raise it up. But I think the unfortunate part, which th- these are kind of the unintended effects of some of these, but there's people on Reddit and the wiki talking about how the changes to these scopes ruined some of the gunsmith tasks or the builds that are out there in some of the guides. So unfortunately, there's one pretty early. So if you haven't moved through the gunsmith tasks yet, I believe the night scope comes up pretty early. You're not going to have to worry about the reaper until way later. But the night scope, I'm totally shooting in the dark here. And I should have looked it up before the show. But it's like gunsmith seven or eight, where you have to put a night scope on. And it was a tight requirement, and I think it required folding the stock, and it was one of those ones that's just wild to do, and I believe that's one of the ones that got changed, and usually that means it's more expensive now, or there's a part that's probably not available as early to get that done, so I don't know what's going to cause that to happen, but that's what's being reported. I don't know if adding a little bit of ergo, like this is like 5 to 10% of a nerf to ergo on each of these scopes on a base level. And I don't know if that's enough to like dissuade someone from using it. I'm not sure why this change would come in. And then it's like, was it really thought all the way through if it broke some of the common gunsmith stuff? I <laughs> just seems like an unintended consequence to them just changing these slightly. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to make them a more interesting choice, you know, with the change to not being able to put it in your secure container anymore. And maybe this, maybe they realize that perhaps it right now needs to be changed. So I don't know what to see what they come up with. Yeah. And in saying that, you know, there was some interesting chatter around the Twitter sphere about an unconfirmed leak that is supposedly in the game files. I don't know how to check what's in the game files, so I'm taking the word of the uh, verified people on Twitter that we're talking about this. But there's in the game files supposedly an anti-thermal stim, or a stim that could be coming to the game soon, that will reduce your body temperature, which would make you not show up on a thermal scope. It makes me wonder if this is the setup to bring thermals more in line with other guns you know they're nerfing them slightly on ergo they broke some gunsmithing tasks which is going to make people look into them again and then if this stim comes around which i think is a very interesting idea because it it was shown and it was like you know three or four minutes of reduced body temperature and then various other side effects but the reason you would pop this is to reduce your body temperature and not show up on a thermal i find that really really intriguing Because the thermals, again, one of the strategies that was uncovered by you as you were digging into Shoreline last wipe was people were running up to Shoreline and then gammaing or putting in their secure container their thermal scope. And 
this stim, if it was added, would be the way to combat that. You know, if you want to run to a high loot area and you don't want someone with a thermal seeing you do that, or at least they would have to spot you in the normal way, adding a stim that would combat that, I think, is really interesting. Because right now, there is nothing you can do. If someone has a thermal scope and you're on woods or shoreline and you're running through it and they spot you, it's brutal, man. You have no idea where they're at. They're suppressed and the trees are just getting destroyed around you and you have to dodge. And it doesn't, it's not fun on the receiving end because you don't really have any options to combat it. This stim, while it wouldn't last the whole raid, I think is very intriguing because you could at least choose when you weren't going to be available to be spotted, right? And I could see players taking in multiple, multiple anti-thermal stims, right? If you're on Shoreloin, <laughs> Shoreloin, uh, hmm, Shoreloin, <laughs> Shoreline, <laughs> if you're on Shoreline and you like to go in and, you know, deck out with your class five or six armor, your slick plate, your Meta HK, your Xfil helmet, the whole kit and caboodle, and you get all your loot, and then you don't want to be thermaled upon leaving. It's an intriguing decision to have one of these stims on you, or maybe you hit Sanitar's room and you found one, or one of the other med supply rooms and you find one. You may find yourself popping the stim because you want someone to have to spot you the normal way and not with a thermal scope on the way out of looting. It would add a really cool element to defend against something that really doesn't have anything you can do against it right now. I absolutely agree because I think you're right. You said something that resonates with me. It's just not fun to be on the receiving end of a thermal on one of the big maps. It's always fun to have the chance to defend yourself, even if you're outmatched and you realize that, okay, there's really no way I can win or it's not looking good. You at least know which direction to fire the gun. And with the thermal situation, the way that it is now, having a counter to just, I can see you across the map and you have no idea really where I am, I think is a good thing for the game in general. My personal opinion is that thermals are a bit overpowered. And this is coming from someone who used them quite a bit in the previous wipe. I had a lot of fun with thermals before they made the change, the find and raid change with them. I just think that as an item in the game, they're a little bit overpowered. And so I really like this. I like that Tarkov gives you something that is kind of overpowered. And I do like that this concept of they also create a counter to it, but the counter is an interesting decision on when you would use it. I really hope they do something like this because I think it'll make the gameplay that much more interesting. Yeah. And I hope that what you said about the chance to defend yourself. I hope that is a core gameplay concept to Tarkov, to Battlestate, because I believe it is. And I think that's what makes this game so fascinating, is that regardless of what level you are, regardless of your progression and your traders unlocked and what you have available, everybody has a chance, pretty much. I mean, if you're brand new and you have a pistol and some guy runs at you with a slick and an Alton, your chance is quite low. But you do have a chance. <laughs> you know, you, you catch a neck shot or two and they go down, you can drop them or they get into a fight and you third party it and you take them out at their legs, whatever. You have a chance in this game. I think the reason it's such a controversial issue is 
they do feel like you work hard to either have the money to afford one and then you want to use it. Or on the flip side, you can't do anything to defend yourself on it. And I think that's why it's such a controversial issue in a game that for the most part, it doesn't matter who you are, what level you are, you have a chance to defend yourself. Even if that chance is 0.001%, sometimes with thermals, it feels like you do not have a chance. It's one of the few like things that will take you out of a game so fast when you know it's, it's an M1A shooting at you from 200 meters and you hear the shots and you're like, well... <laughs> It's an M1A. They're probably working on test drive. I, I'm done, you know? So I, I, I really, really hope that a chance to defend yourself is a core gameplay concept that Battlestate continues to look at going forward because it exists now. And this stim being a potential game inclusion speaks to that same concept. And I really like that. I think Battlestate is changing Tarkov or at least moving Tarkov in the general direction that the game has a chance to defend yourself. You have the ability to complete tasks, not necessarily in raid with the crafting system. They're making it more dynamic than just log into a raid, run and gun and hope. I actually think that that's fantastic. And I think it makes it more interesting in the end. And all of these choices where if they seem to add an item that's weird, but then they have another mechanic or system in the game based upon damage or guns or armor or whatever. All of these systems, they create a weird system, but create a counter, make those PvP situations that much more interesting because you have to figure out how am I going to start the raid? Am I going to start the raid with a plan to run into a PvP situation? Okay, I'm probably going to need some kind of pain mitigation. I might need a stim, you know, whatever. What kind of healing am I going to bring? Am I starting this raid with the plan to play slower, maybe avoid PvP, look for items, whatever, be more intentional in that way? Maybe you're worried about endurance. You're not worried about healing as much as you need to bring some food in with you because you're going to be using more energy or whatever, those kinds of things. I think that having the plan in Tarkov, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, is even more relevant as they add all these different kinds of systems because it makes it almost like you design how your character, how your PMC experiences the world based upon all these different buffs and debuffs that you have to manage. It is a lot. And so I will admit it is a lot. But I do think that as a game design choice, it's very interesting. I agree. And I think that's the biggest challenge Battlestate has is with as many items as they have, with as many systems as they have, with as many genres of games that are included in Tarkov to keep things interesting and not being forgotten or just so completely useless. It's going to be a constant battle for them. And we see this in the hideout, the crafting, them adding trades and making irrelevant items relevant again. You know, we talked about soap last week. You know, I mean, let's jump into the new crafts right here because some of this is really relevant to this conversation. And what I'm going to do here is just read off where these new crafts are, what the end result of it is. I'm not going to go into all the nitty gritty detail. Um, I just want everyone to know what section of the hideout it's in and what you can make just so you're aware of it. But then a few of them, I think, is worth digging in a little deeper on why these may have been added. But at Workbench 2, you can now craft a FLIR Thermal, as Ronald alluded to earlier. At Intelligence Center Level 2, you can craft the number 11 SR keycard. At Intelligence Center 3, you can now craft the Violet keycard to Labs. 
In Lavatory 2, you can now craft Keck tape. It's no longer just a reagent. You can actually craft it. Uh, Workbench 1, you can craft a magnet. Workbench 2, you can craft a military circuit board. And in MedStation Level 2, you can craft the antidote to uh, what I believe is the uh, knife that the cultists use to (laughs) poison you and take you out. So lots of new crafts. And in these crafts are items that either don't get used a whole lot or some of them, you know, I've never used like the, the number 11 SR key card. It requires one of the other key cards to be used. And it's the 21WS key card, both interchange cards. One of them opens a container. One of them opens the safe room, which is the one you're crafting. And I've never personally opened the container that takes the key card. I've had it a few times, but I always sold it. But now I may keep it to craft that safe room key card because I'd be more likely to use that because it has an exfil associated with it. And when I've had that card in the past, I have used that exfil location. So just an interesting way to make items gain a little bit of relevance. You know, I don't think they're completely changing the field with some of these crafts, but they are adding the ability to take some things that no one was using and maybe now they can. Yeah, a couple of these are going to start to use different reagents that are probably going to go up or down in value or whatever. Specifically, that that violet card for labs. You know, I'm not really sure. I, I don't play labs, but I imagine that there's a reason why they put that in the game. And if you look at what it actually is, it uses some of the other cards, the yellow key cards. And one of the interesting comments on Reddit was talking about how the price of those yellow key cards is going to skyrocket now when they were relatively discardable in the past. I think it's interesting. I don't, like I said, I don't play labs, so I don't know a lot about it, but I figured it's worth highlighting for the people that do. Yeah, the fact that you can craft the violet card now is super interesting to me. Um, I, too, don't play a ton of labs. I was planning to do that at the end of last wipe, which I thought was a couple months away, but that didn't happen. Um, yeah, it, it takes lab access cards. It takes the three of the yellow key cards, which are very common from the scav case in your hideout. So I remember getting a boatload of yellow labs cards, um, last white, not a boatload, but I probably got six or seven of them. So if I get those now, I'm going to hang on to them because maybe I can turn them into a violet card. Now, I think the most interesting part about the violet card at first, I was like, why did they add this? This makes no sense at all. But I think it pairs with the new task for killing Sherman. And they added a task to Jaeger to kill him 25 times. They also increased his spawn rate from 39% of raids to 41% of the time Sherman's in the raid on Woods. Now, I think the reason that this craft was added is the spawn position of the Violet card. It had three different spawns on Woods. One of them is in the lumber camp, which is basically the biggest death bowl you can create on the map. And another one was in the car at the military checkpoint. And both of these locations are where you can often find Sherman. And Sherman, if he doesn't get killed early, will often retreat back to the military checkpoint. And I experienced this again this wipe after it happened last wipe. I killed Sherman. Actually, I think we did that together. And then as we were retreating, his goons were at checkpoint and just murdered us. And so I look at this craft as saying, in some cases, I just don't think Battlestate is looking at the full list of effects for their changes. Like the Ergo on the 
scopes affecting gunsmith tasks was probably an unintended consequence. But in this case, they're looking at, well, if people are now at the end game and we just gave them a reason to go kill Sherman 25 times, the most common thing that's going to be happening is getting people that are kitted and spreading towards the lumber mill. And that's where you go to look for the Violet Keycard. And the Violet Keycard holds a lot of value. So I think this is a way to give people a chance to get the Violet card, but also take it away from maybe being a loot run spot that's going to be frustrating for the near future and going forward, because now Sherman's going to be a hot target. You know, the Violet card in labs itself is next to the Red Room, and it holds a couple of really nice weapon crates and some weapon part spawns, some gun spawns, some ammo spawns, nothing crazy. So that's really the only way that I can rationalize it in my mind why the Violet card was added as a craft. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting idea. And it absolutely makes sense. So I'll go with that. (laughs) You know, some of these other ones, being able to craft Keck Tape is great because it goes into so many of the crafts for cases. I think that's great. I think the ability to make that if you're just not having luck finding it, and if you're not having luck finding it, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie on the interchange map. Keck tape is in Ollie. It's it's the way to find it. Um, just keep trying if you're not seeing it. I promise if you scab and you make it to Ollie, you'll find Keck tape on the shelves. You just will. But the one that is really standing out to me is the added craft for military circuit board. And just in the last week, this has been one of the biggest expenses for me because these were going for 250 to 300k per military circuit board. And to finish out the hideout and some of the later find and raid tasks that I was using the Intelligence Center to craft FIR find and raid items, I needed a few. And these are most commonly found in the military and electronic areas on reserve. And I'm not a huge fan of that map, mostly because I haven't learned it or taken the time to learn it yet because there's no tasks there. I don't have a big reason to go hunt on reserve other than hunting Gluhar. And I'm pretty good at hunting Gluhar. I just, I don't really loot items on the map. I just kill Gluhar when I need to. So I'm glad that they weren't a find and raid requirement for me personally, but they were really expensive. So I had to earn rubles and trade for them on the flea market. So all of these crafts being added, it really has me thinking that Battle State is looking hard at their MMO mechanics, their massive multiplayer mechanics. And the reason I say that is because a common theme for tradable items, or in Tarkov, that would be the barter items, in massive multiplayer games, is that it doesn't matter where you choose to farm. The point of it is you pick what you want to farm, and there's going to be some yield for how much time you spent and money that you earn. But it doesn't matter what you do that, but you can use that to trade for things you need or with other players for other tradables. And that's why it's called farming. That's where it comes from. And it's relatively free trade when it comes to this in most MMOs. So it seems to me they're adding more ways to craft items because not everybody wants to run interchange to find keck tape. Not everybody wants to run reserve to find military circuit boards. And I see people getting upset and I've read tons of comments about people just really not liking these crafts being added. And the the funny part to me 
is some of these crafts I would never use. I don't ever foresee myself using the Keck Tape craft because I find them very regularly. But me saying that I find them regularly and I like the interchange map, I know there's people that hate interchange. And if they have to go to interchange to find Keck Tape, that ruins their day. And I get that. I'm the same way with military circuit board. And what it boils down to for me is it doesn't affect my gameplay if somebody can craft something that I'm able to farm. And I just don't understand the focus on other people's gameplay in this scenario. So when I talk about these adding of trades and crafts and higher tier crafts and battle state, in my eyes, embracing these MMO mechanics, does that resonate with you? What do you think about that? It's interesting because I think that they are definitely prepping the game for an evolution in the way that the game works fundamentally. So I think that Battlestate is possibly getting ready to change the way that the game fundamentally works. And the reason why I think this is because all of these crafts, all of these multiple ways to complete the tasks that are in the game lead you to believe that perhaps they're going to go with this whole open world concept that they've been talking about or make this game into some kind of an MMO that's not just a run and gun shooting game. And they've already done so much to get us down that path already. However, all of these things that they have been doing more recently really go to most of these changes recently really speak to all different types of players. And they really aren't focusing on one particular type of player exclusively with any of the design decisions they've been making. And that's why I think that they're getting ready to change the way the game at least exists as of today. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you. I try to look through the lens of a brand new player, a newer player, a seasoned player, and an expert, right? I don't even know where I fall in there sometimes. There's days where I feel like I'm brand new because I can't get anything done. And there's days where I feel like I'm an expert because everything's going right. But I know I fall somewhere in between. Um, But adding in the Sherman kills. You know, a low playtime player or a brand new player could care less about killing Sherman 25 times for a task, but it's a great end game addition for the expert or the very seasoned player that wants something to do. It's like the kill of 100 tasks. It's like them adding Sanitar last wipe. Absolutely great. But adding the trades is something that I don't think most seasoned players, especially for the trades for the items that are commonly found on your map, like the military circuit board, I don't think reserve players are going to craft military circuit boards. It's going to be people that don't play reserve. And so because of that, I think that's focused towards a new player or a newer player, because rather than forcing that player to learn how to go farm reserve for one item that they just came in contact with needing, there's a way to move around that with the flea market and the crafts, and the trading, which costs a lot of time. Again, it's also for the lower playtime people, you know? If you are going to, say, complete the lend-lease task that I just got done, and I did this with Intelligence Center Level 3, so if you want to yell at me for doing this task completely outside of in raids, be my guest, because I don't care. I had to craft two Vertex and one Military SOCOM. I know where to get vertexes on labs, and I know where to get military SOCOMs on labs and reserve. I just didn't want to do it. So I spent the rubles to craft 
two vertexes back to back and a military SOCOM, and I just turned that task in to unlock Cargo X and whatever the other task line is. Because for me, I would rather spend my time in game the way I want to as much as I can outside of what tasks force me to do. And I would rather spend that time letting my hideout not earn money, but craft things I need for tasks. Whereas somebody that knows how to find those items can craft other things useful for them or use it to make money. And I think that's great because, again, it comes down to the interesting decision by the player, not the game forcing it. So I say all of that because a new player may not want to learn where to farm vertexes or they're scared of labs and they don't want to go in there and run to the cat room to find the vertex next to the computer or they try it twice and die to the people that play labs all the time. That's not interesting. That's not fun. That gets people out of Tarkov not playing the game, which is not what people want. So when I see people saying, oh, if they add more crafts, we're going to leave the game, it just doesn't add up to me because it means you want people to come onto your map and die doing it, which is going to cause them to leave, but you're going to leave because they can craft the... It doesn't make sense to me. So I think it's good for all players. They're adding things for everybody. I think focusing on any one thing when it's for other players, just it doesn't make sense in my mind, but it's so easy to do. And I just see it everywhere. So I I don't mean to get on a soapbox on that, but I just think we need to have a long-term focus on the game. And what you were saying about this, maybe some fundamental changes coming to the persistence of your characters or the uh, long-term lasting of your characters. All of this could be just really cool for all play styles and all play times. Well, move over on the soapbox because I've got some more to add. So (laughs) (laughs) It's all yours, man. I, I have to ask the question to everybody. Do you find it interesting if the game forces you to do something that you would not do voluntarily? Because that's a fundamental question to ask yourself. So if you want to find your item on reserve and you love reserve, you're going to be great. This is awesome. I'm good. If you hate reserve and you've never run it before, you're going to be like, this is a legitimate stopping block for me. And that same example applies to every map. So just insert, you know, whatever name of the map there, right? So some people are deathly afraid of factory. So that's a stopping for them, right? Unless they can find friends to play with or all the other things we talk about. But fundamentally, the question is, is it interesting to force you, the player, into something that you don't want to do in order to progress in the game and only give you one way to complete that particular progression step by forcing you to do something that you don't want to do? And my answer to that is absolutely not. I think that's stupid because these games are supposed to be entertainment value to us. Now, we do spend you know, a lot of times talking about them, looking at spreadsheets, trying to be the best at them, understanding everything about it. But you got to come back to the word fun. If it's not fun, people aren't going to play the game. And that's why I think why we're getting a lot of these things. Because on some level, Battlestate has realized that people have quit because they have put these artificial barriers in that only had one way to get around them. And they weren't fun for at least one person. So maybe one person filled out feedback and said that the game wasn't fun. And you may think to yourself, oh, that's ridiculous. But, you know, I'm level 56 and I've got everything unlocked and the game's too easy. So I need a task where I need to kill Sherman a thousand times and maybe that'll be fun for me. And, you know, good for you. Most of us are not like that. And the reality is that 
I think if you can get around a particular task or progression blockage in your hideout or through a different means, through a trade, I absolutely support that because that is going to keep people interested in progressing in the game. Because Tarkov has times where there's just no way to push past something except just to do it. And you're either going to quit because it's not fun. And depending on the stage of life that you're in, you don't have a lot of extra time to do this. Whatever your game time, you know, you may have a baby, you may have a new job. We've talked about this, right? It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that you're like, yeah, I can game for X hours a week and I'm not going to devote all of that to dying on reserve. I'm just not going to do that. So I'm going to go play a different game. And to me, that's a real shame because Tarkov has a lot to offer. And if they can just offer multiple ways to get something done that is a pain point in the game, that's what good games do. That's good MMO design. And that may be foreign to some of you that have never played an MMO. If you're an FPS run and gun kind of person and you came to Tarkov and you're just kind of dealing with the fact that there's a flea market and you don't like it and you don't really understand the economy and all those things, this concept is probably going to be completely foreign to you in game design. For the rest of us that have played MMOs and kind of come from this world, you're going to recognize what they're doing is very familiar in that way. And so, all right, I'm off the soapbox now. I just... I'm stepping back on, man. Nope. <laughs> <Hand> it back. <laughs> um, the, the idea of persistence in a game world that has progression is founded on this idea. It's founded on the idea that somebody can catch up to some extent. And the benefit to doing it first is that you already have the item or the fun or the reward. Fun and reward are probably the best scale, right? I will put on the blue Untar helmet and the blue Untar vest and the M4 and go kill 40 PMCs across four maps because the reward for doing so is that I am one step closer to Kappa and for me, at this stage right now, that's something I'm going after, at least moving towards. And that reward is enough for me to sacrifice fun to do it. And in the same regards, somebody that needs Keck Tape and went through the process to craft it, and I go through the process of going into raid and finding it, they're sacrificing time and progression in their hideout that I'm using for other things, but the fact that they crafted it doesn't take anything away from my reward or my achievement in being able to find the item. And this is an MMO thing, and there are still a lot of MMO players that struggle with this. And you see it in World of Warcraft all the time. They release new raids. In World of Warcraft, a raid is endgame PvE group content. And over time, your character levels up or your gear levels up and older content can be beaten by players that are doing not raids or not group content. And they can do the things that you did a month ago or a week ago or a year ago, and they can do it with ease. And that doesn't mean that your achievement is any less great or that your reward at the time is cheapened in any way. It's just the cycle of persistence in that Tarkov, if they choose to continue down this persistence model, and I believe you're right in this, Eric, I think they're setting up for it. They really seem to be doing that. The bar will move, but the bar on the bottom has to move up, maybe not as fast, and then they move the bar again. 
and then they move the bar on getting some stuff here. You know, if three wipes ago you completed the task and it was to get 10 wires and 10 capacitors found in RAID, and now they've reduced that task to five wires and five capacitors, that doesn't cheapen your experience having done it when it was new. And that is an MMO concept that doesn't really exist in FPS games in the same manner. So I wanted to expound upon your point related to that because you're right. It is an MMO concept and Tarkov, I believe, is setting up to really blow this thing up. And what they've added in the last four or five days has been a bunch of stuff that points to them taking a close look at the choke points that don't necessarily need to be choke points. Absolutely. When you create an artificial block in progression that is around a single point, so a single task, a single thing that you have to do, especially something that you have to find, it's one thing to create it in a way that's an act. So that would be like killing 10 scavs with the untar, you know, the blue, the blueberry stuff on whatever. That's different. That's playing the game. That's a fundamental mechanic. But if it's you're blocked because you can't find one pack of strike cigarettes, right? And you look raid after raid after raid and you can't find them. Or you're blocked because you can't find the thing of croutons for Jaeger. And you, you look for them, you look for them, you finally find them and then you get killed. Not that that didn't happen to me, <clears throat> Tarkov. But my point is that those kinds of things, eventually, it's fun and something you can laugh about one time, two times. But like 12 times in a row, then you're like, this game just isn't fun. And you quit because it's a video game. Eventually, your desire to play is less than your frustration level. And then you go do something else. And just as good business policy, they have to be recognizing that this is happening in the game. That's my whole point with all this is that these changes to me really point, I think, in a good direction that they're recognizing two things. One, the player base has changed. And if you're listening to this and you've been playing Tarkov since the beginning, it's not the same game that it was four years ago. It's not even the same vision of Nikita that it was four years ago. It is a hardcore survival game, yes, but it's not a hardcore survival game with a single path anymore. It's a hardcore survival game with all kinds of various systems and mitigations for those systems and all this other stuff, that does make it a hardcore survival game. What does not make it a hardcore survival game is the fact that you either get lucky or not and find croutons one time or 12 times. That does not make it a hardcore survival game. That just is an annoying mechanic. And there's a difference there. I'm encouraged because I think they're finally starting to see that balance. You know, we talked a long time ago on the XFIL. This would be maybe in the first 10 episodes, about how gaming companies really are just giant analytics companies. They look at how the games are played. They look at what you do. Every time you shoot a bullet, every time you buy an item, every time you use an item, all the different gear loadouts that you pick versus how much money you have in your hideout versus which level you are versus where your task progression is, all of those are data points. And they look and they say, okay, how is our game being played? Where are the places where people stop playing the game. And all of this seems to be focused, or at least some of it seems to be focused around those types of scenarios, because I think that they've recognized that they're losing chunks of players at very definable places in progression. And we all feel it. If you make it past 
I'll say this. If you make it to level 40, you know that during that path, there are chunks of progression that just are miserable. And you have to want to play Escape from Tarkov in order to make it over those humps and keep playing the game. But if you don't really want to play that bad, you're like, eh, it's fun. I tried it and it just got to a point where I just don't want to do it anymore. Then you're going to quit. And they, I think they're realizing they've seen chunks of people quit at certain levels and they don't want that, obviously. I'm off the soapbox now, but that, that is really what I feel about the root for all these changes. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's great. They're going to change things that I enjoy. They're going to change things that I have come to rely on in my game. So I, I'm going to just rattle off the rest of the miscellaneous changes we can get out of here on our final thoughts. And there's one of these that, again, is going to be a change to what I've come to rely on. So here they are. The final kind of miscellaneous changes before we get out of here. Uh, there's a new trade with Therapist Level 2. <laughs> you can trade the Amelia croutons for Rye croutons now, which is hilarious to me because the croutons were like the rarest item in the game for the first couple weeks. The AS Val and the 9x39 ammo receive some changes. So the 9x39 penetration across the board, so SP5, SP6, BP, SPP, all got buffs. Pretty significant, actually. So SP5 was 35 armor penetration up to 38. BP was 48 up to 55. SP6 was 43 up to 46. And SPP was 45 up to 50. So the AS Val or the 9x39 ammo got buffed. And then the AS Val had its ergo increase from 43 to 46. And the visual recoil, not to be confused with the actual gun recoil, but what you actually see on your screen was reduced by 20%. And they also reduced the audible distance of the AS Val by 12.5%. So notably, there's nothing mentioned here about the VSS, which also uses 9x39. But the AS Val got some pretty big changes. And then the final miscellaneous changes are uh, roughly a 7% increase in loot on interchange, but they've reduced the spawns for both fuel spawns. So the blue and the metal fuel containers have a reduction in spawn, while the rest of loose spawning items uh, are increased. So Ollie could be a very interesting place to go loot now. There might be more loot in there, but less chance to find fuel. We also have changes to the grenade case. It can go in an item case and a thick items case now. They reduced the maximum players from 13 down to 12 on customs. And you can now find VSS, Val, the GL40, the Ash 12, and the Mark 18338 in raid or in crates, presumably. The first three, the VSS, the VAL, and the GL40, were turned off, and they've now been turned back on. So that's the VSS, the VAL, and the grenade launcher are back able to be found. And that is the summary of the rest of the changes that have happened. And I'll give my point, and I'll let Eric, uh, you can close this out, man. But my my final thing is I, I've come to rely on Ollie and Interchange for my fuel. I really don't ever have to purchase it. I run Ollie enough on my scav and I run interchange and I always try to go through Ollie on my PMC if I'm there and I rarely need to pick up fuel. But with the addition of the metal fuel cans in the grenade case craft, not only has the price gone up on those, but now we're not going to find them as often. So I'm super interested to see 
just how much they reduced the fuel spawns because I always find it interesting when they go so far to say that there's 7%, that's a very specific number of increased loot, but they didn't give us the reduction in percent on the fuel spawns, which leads me to believe it's a relatively large percent decrease in the fuel spawns that we're going to see on Interchange. I also depend upon those fuel spawns in Interchange, so we'll see, because the Jaeger fuel can used to be, I think, 89,000 rubles, and now it's 130,000. And on top of that, it's always sold out. It used to never, well, it used to rarely get sold out, and now it's instantly gone. So you can't even buy it from Jaeger. And you go on the flea and it's, you know, you're looking at 130, 140K, and be very careful on the flea because you could buy a fuel can that is not at 100 use points, in which case you're going to be very disappointed with that. You could buy a trigger fuel we, can. We may, we may have tested this before we started recording, and I sold a metal fuel canister with like 49 out of 100 for like 130,000 rubles. And I was like, oh, someone bought it. Oh, no. <laughs> but that was for science. It was for science and my graphics cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overall, my final thoughts on all of these changes are the game, I think, is going to be changing and evolving here in a big way. And I wonder if two things really have kind of been coming to mind as I've been thinking about this. I think this wipe is going to be shorter. I'm going to make a prediction now. I don't think this is going to be a seven or eight month wipe because I think the changes they're making are going to force the wipe to happen quicker. I'll just leave it at that. And I do think the other major piece of this is they are right now faced with the decision, and I think they're really in the middle of it, deciding whether or not Tarkov is going to be a persistent or a non-persistent game. Is this going to be a seasonal game, or is this going to be a game where you build up a character and add on to it over time, like an MMO? And I think that that decision is is happening right now in the development cycle. We don't have any insight into that. It's just a gut feeling about how these changes are coming about and really what they're changing. So those are the two things. Watch those as you are thinking about that. And that'd be my my thoughts into this. Before we do get out of here, I do want to encourage everyone, what do you think about these changes? Leave a comment. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment down below. If you're listening to this on an audio platform, jump into Discord, go into episode feedback. Tell us what you think. A lot of this stuff is going to affect a wide variety of players. This is going to hit everybody. It doesn't matter if you're level 59 storming in the labs every day or if you're level 3 and you just got the game and you may not even understand half the what we're talking about, but you think it's interesting because you're excited to play. A lot of this is going to affect everybody in between. So we really want to know what you think about these changes. I think we'll have some great conversations in the community around a lot of this. So go into episode feedback, tell us what you think, tag Trigger and I in your response. It'll show up on us in, in Discord, and we'll be sure to respond to everybody's comments. But that's about it for this week. The green bar is definitely starting to flash. So before we do get out of here, thank you once again to everybody who's listening on whatever platform you listen on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, whatever, whatever platform you're listening to on the audio side, thank you so much. If you're a YouTube viewer, thank you so much for checking us out at youtube.com slash XP Media Now. We appreciate 
every one of you there as well. If you can, hit that like button for us and leave a comment. It really helps the algorithm spread the show around. On the audio side, be sure to leave a five-star review. And if we haven't earned a five-star review, let us know. We always are looking for feedback on the show. Always want to do the show and bring you the most entertaining and also highest quality content that we can. But that's about it for this week. So as always, thank you for listening and watching. And we hope you have a great week in all of your aids, whatever you're trying to get done. And we'll see you on the next one. See everybody. Thank you.